are with another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies, and we have Glenn Longaball in-house with us. Sal, how you doing? Doing awesome. Okay, good. We're going to talk about weeds. It's uh, late summer, getting to be late summer, and um, a lot of spraying still going on, a lot of beans. Um, I don't remember what war movie that was, but at my house, when you get up, you have to love the smell of Enlist in the morning, because it's <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty fragrant <laughs> yeah, around, uh, around our place. So uh, let's talk some wins and losses this year we can show, because we've definitely had weather challenges. Absolutely. Yeah, there was... Um, <clears throat> You know, I think we made some real discoveries this year, or I think maybe the, some of the observations made this year should maybe change the way we manage going forward, right? And um, if we start with corn, I would say that, um, uh, you know, one of the staples of corn management as far as herbicides the last several years has been, at least the last decade, has been a two-pass corn program. And and yet, if you think about the way we practice two-pass corn is we take uh, the full, whatever the full label rate is, we take that rate, we divide it by two yep. and we make, we split that application, right? Yep. Whether, whether that is Lexar, or Acuron, which is, you know, uh, harness, uh, degree extra. I don't care what, what, uh, premix you're talking about. Typically they're somewhere between two and a half and three and a half quarts. And so uh, an example might be that we would take a quart and a half down and then we would come mm-hmm. back in crop with another quart and a half. And, and yet, uh, one of the things I've noticed is that this second pass, we're almost always going in to uh, some kind of mess, right? Especially if we are shut out on timing, any at all, right? I mean, the reason why this, this program works as well as it does is because most of the weeds that we're after that are really tough germinate over a wide window of time. So if you can make multiple passes and kind of freshen it up, that's always been an advantage. The disadvantage is that if the timing isn't perfect, right, then these, you know, four inch or three inch or two inch, whatever the water hemp are supposed to be when you make that application are now a foot tall or they're 16 inches tall. And so it's not just this reduced rate of these premixes that contain, you know, a group 15, a group which would be, you know, a, a, an Outlook, a Warren, a Zidua, a Dual, right? It's the it, it's acetochlor, it's peroxisulfone, it's um, uh, SMOC. It, it's also got atrazine in it. It's also got uh, an HPPD in it, and, and it's got glyphosate, right? We're, we're making this witch's brew, which is not really a, a great thing uh, on, on emerged corn. Now, corn's really tolerant early on, right? So when you guys think about, I want you to picture in your mind, uh, really small corn, right? If we're out there at V3, um, you know, somewhere before V4, you'll notice that the, the, the plants are not very shiny, right? And that's yeah. because that wax is very granular and, and the wax is really thick on the plant and that actually protects it from some of these coarser residual herbicides. And, um, and so that's a great time to make those applications. But you take a spring like this where, you know, it rains every other day and you can't make that application timely and now you're into... Uh, great big weeds which require a coarser herbicide application and now the the corn is tall enough that epicuticular wax has has smoothed out and it's got much thinner that plant is much more sensitive Hmm. to that kind of herbicide application and so you know i saw this even on my own where i where i go on to sand early and i'm thinking man i have to do a two-pass application and i'll run a, a reduced rate 
almost every one of those broke and was a big mess by the time it came in with the second application. Those fields where it's like, you know what, this is heavier ground, I'm gonna put the full meal deal on, a lot of those never really required a second pass. So I don't want us to say, oh, we're going to go from a two-pass program back to a one-pass program. I think we need to go back. I mean, I think we, we really need to do is go from a two-pass program into a 1.5x program, right? In other words, that I, I think we probably need to be putting the full meal deal out there on the front end and then planning on coming back, if necessary, with maybe... Uh, not so uh, coarse of, of herbicide option, right? Okay. If you think about it, 15, 20 years ago, we were coming back, we, we used the full meal deal on the front, we came back with glyphosate. And glyphosate alone, Ryan, was enough to hold a lot of these weeds, right? We could we could clean it up, and you could maybe put down a 15, uh, which would be like a, a, a Zidua application. That time we didn't have Zidua, we made, a, we made right. another SMOC application or... Yep. Um, or maybe you made a mesotrione, an incinerate, or a Callisto application. Today, we're, we're running four modes of action. Oh, and by the way, we still would like to put in the fungicide, and we'd still like to put in the insecticide, and we'd still like to put in some kind of nutritional. MSO, all yeah. that other stuff. <laughs> Everything you add to those kind of witch's brew increases or almost doubles your chance of phyto. Well, you know what, if I'm a grower and, and I want to clean up weeds and I want to jack the crop up and we put all these things together and suddenly we've got necrotic corn or we at least have chlorotic corn, you know, my expectations are different than what the reality of what I see. You want it to look better after you spray it. Exactly. I don't want you to don't. dink that corn. And we know that corn is... I think everybody is aware that corn is vulnerable when it's small because it's developing its kernel rows around and kernel rows in length. But I also think that gets exaggerated. Most time, corn actually sets more yield potential than it can possibly fill, right? So we probably put too much emphasis on that, but I still don't want to dink the crap out of the corn. And so if we make bigger first applications, still plan on coming back, but maybe come back with something that's, it's not just the other half of your residual program. Right. Yeah. More so, prescriptive in that second pass. And then we could add things to it. Right. Then we could put nutritional soils. We could put a fungicide with it. We could run insecticide if that's a, a necessity. Does that make sense? It does. We can uh, maybe just load it heavier on the front side and more of a, of a three quarter to a full rate. Lots of options we yep. can use uh, that are economical and they work well and then and then we can go in and th what happens though is kind of like you said is that when you got a full pest a full herbicide program up front and then you you go out there and look and you're like wow I don't have any weeds emerging but I'm getting ready to spray uh, that's the decision point and we we all know that we could have uh, water hemp or something else emerging a little bit later but I think the if you're going to do that, I think you just got to be committed to that half, to yeah. the half rate Yeah. when you come back in. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe it's not half rate, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Oftentimes we use the full rate. It's so clean when you would normally come back with the second pass. You don't think about residuals. That you don't, you don't think about residuals. You, know, you don't think about yeah. spraying. Well, well that's where we have, to, we have to practice a little bit of competitive intelligence, right? I have have farms that I know during good and well. I don't care how clean it is. When I come back, that farm, that that field of corn is going to have hop hornbeam copper leaf come in it at yep. harvest. I'm not convinced that it really uh, costs me a lot of yield, but it's going to be there. And so that's a place where you already know the history. 
that, that'd be a great place to put some mesotrione down or, yep. or uh, Laudus or Impact or some kind of HPPD, right? Something that <laughs> Burr cucumbers makes your post spray and that, it, that those will change your management practices. Oh, absolutely, yeah. right? And so we have a lot of these bottom ground areas where they have, you know, they call them pickles or burr cucumber. <laughs> and, and that's where you have to go to growth regulators or you have to go to something like a peak. You know, there's, there's specific chemistries. And, and yet, if you think about it, Ryan, you're making those applications oftentimes without the burrs being put. They're not there. Yeah. Or yeah. if they are, they're... They're little. They're really little. So you're already practicing this, right? Yeah. It's, it's just really a function of maybe the reason why we haven't been so successful uh, in recent years is because our first pass is pooping out before we... Uh, yeah. can make that second pass. And then once that panicum or whatever it is gets germinated, then it becomes harder. Yeah, once it gets established. And by the way, that's that's a great that's a great ad. Uh, if it, if you have water and broadleaves break, that's much harder to clean up than if you just have grass or just have broadleaves, right? Uh, because then it becomes an issue. Can you even get it on the target? Yeah. And uh, so do you actually, so whenever you're coming back in, I know you had mentioned earlier in another podcast about a, like a V10 application. Do you think, um, uh, and you just told us not to do this, but if we do back off some of those, that other half of the raid and those witches brews, can we put in a mid tier fungicide in this post application herbicides? Absolutely. So Absolutely. as long as we back off the, the load, yeah, as long as we're not overloaded, right? If you're just spraying Callisto or even like a Helix GT, you could spray Helix GT and still put a fungicide in with that with probably uh, little or no chance of phyto. But it's when you when you know that you have to add atrazine and you're going to have to add something like a, uh, you know, maybe it's a, a growth regulator like a status. And and then we get carried away with nutritionals, right? It's, it's everything we add, especially after you get atrazine in there. I, you know, I'm still a huge atrazine proponent, right? There's folks that say, oh, atrazine didn't kill anything anymore. Well, it's about like glyphosate, right? <laughs> we have people say that glyphosate didn't kill anything anymore either. You leave those out of the tank mix <laughs> and you'll find out just how much we rely on those chemistries. Sometimes we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there are places where they can't, right? Where they're restricted yeah. on atrazine use. And in those cases, you'll find how much heavy lifting those older chemistries actually do. So, so I'm not, I'm not trying to shake up the world here. I'm just saying that maybe, uh, maybe you want to think about it still being a two pass program, but it's not about making just splitting the rate down the middle. Right. Yeah. I think we need to be more strategic about going in with larger doses on the front end, especially if we get later planted, right? If you're later planted, then you're probably going to get by with one pass. Yeah. If it's really early planted, you probably need to do a big dose. I know one of the, you know, I don't want to extrapolate this. I hate to talk about brands, but one of the things that I've done for years, um, <clears throat> because it, it makes it more forgiving, right? Group 15s you know, like your dual or your acetochlor, which is a primary, those are the two uh, most common group 15s that are in premixes. Those products are wonderful on small seeded broad leaves and grasses, but they are pretty sensitive to water, right? And and they work in low water environments, but that's not our big peril here. If you think about it, our biggest peril here, when you make that, that $35 or $40 application, Ryan, is what? It's getting too much rain, right? And so you get a two-inch rain event after you made these applications, and yeah, it got activated, but it also moved it, you know, three-quarters of an inch down in the soil profile. And the next, 
you know, uh, half inch rain moves it a little bit deeper in the profile. And for those chemistries to work, they really need to be close to the surface. And so one of the things I've done for years, um, and, and we've got a lot of clients that do this, is add another older technology, and that's Princep, right? Uh, Princep is really, it's a triazine, it's a group five, just like atrazine, but it's really insoluble. Right? It takes almost two inches of rain just to activate Princeps. So if you think about it, it makes it a great complement for some of these premixes that are maybe pre-soluble. So if you get too much rain, you still have some control of these annual grasses. Okay. And, and so that's something else that growers could practice. Really, they need to talk. You know, the, the, the good thing is your premier account rep already knows your grant. He knows what weeds you're struggling with, and he can put together a package, you know, a, a, a program that really addresses every acre you have. It may not be the same even for your, for your farm, right? Yeah. You, you may have a different recipe for different parts of your different parts of your farm. Just like Ryan was saying earlier, right? The burnt cucumber is the perfect example. We know where we have burnt cucumber because you don't run a, you don't run a, uh, and you don't forget to you don't <laughs> no. forget to post it. <laughs> yeah, you you don't run a combine through burr cucumber and watch the the you know the corn either side of you shaking or you know thirty foot off. You, you don't do that and and not remember that that hey we've got a problem here next year. Because you don't ever want to experience no. that again if it's if it starts stacking up. So what about soybeans? Yeah, on soybeans, um, you know, it's the same old story. We, we just have to practice what we preach. We know that the right thing is residuals. The, 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 the level of control that you have on these herbicide-resistant weeds has nothing to do with what post program or what trait platform you choose. It has nothing to do with that, right? There is parity across the trait platforms. Whether you're using ExtendFlex and you can use, um, uh, you know, Dicamba and Liberty, or whether you're using the Enlist platform and you, uh, you know, you can use 2,4-D and Liberty, or whether you're just using a Liberty bean and and you have Liberty. I, I the older I get, I believe there's more parity than there ever has been between those. Hmm. If you're going to control them, it's going to come from using residuals on the front end. And um, what often happens is, um, you know, we have the best laid plans. And then when the first shot is fired, we change those plans. And, and oftentimes, uh, it's, it's really the grower's fault. And I don't want to spank the growers too much on here. But you can't, you can't go plant with, um, you know, uh, multiple planters and big planters and then call it in the day before it's going to emerge with residual herbicides that have to be put on pre-emerge, right? And, and, and we do that even, even if you do your own application. It is so easy to get wound up in planning and forget that, oh, I, I need to get some of this covered up before the beans come up, right? And, um, but, and so we need to be probably be more deliberate and be more planned. You know, on one of these sheets of paper over here, uh, I often meet with a good friend of mine over in Illinois, right? Oftentimes we don't feel comfortable maybe sharing uh, our strategy for our own farms with somebody locally, right? Because we, whether, whether it's your account rep or, or uh, whether it's a, a fellow farmer, maybe it, it's about uh, competition. Uh, but, but I've got a good friend in Illinois and we pretty much share everything. We met this last week um, to talk about our master plan, right? And it's not to try to take over the world, but it is about, <laughs> you know, getting it recorded, what it is that you saw and making a, you know, so that you don't forget it before next year. Yeah. Right. Cause it's amazing to me that I catch myself, you know, in agriculture, 
if you're a farmer, you have deja vu like over and over and over again, right? How many times are you in a field and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I not fix these washes last year? Why did I not fix these tiles? Why didn't I have the back over here pushing these tops off the corner, you know, off of the edge of this wood line, right? Before I got here with the planter. Right. These are the and, and I'm trying to come up with really yeah. obvious. Things, yeah, right? but I mean, it does happen. Sudden death's a good example. I mean, we get a field that has sudden death in it. Then we rotate to corn and then we go back in the next year. And all of a sudden we forget to we forget to look for that on the bean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah we forget to we forget yeah. the salt row. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you, know, you know, whether you do this with with your account rep which would be a safe, you know, that's a safe space, or whether you do this with a, with a, a farmer friend of yours that's maybe not your next-door neighbor, um, that's something I'd really encourage you to do is start putting together a master plan. What worked, what didn't work, and then uh, the reason why it's, it's good to do it with somebody else is they often have experiences that you haven't seen yet, right? Because yeah. it's not just about the, the way you've done. You, you can oftentimes have the same, you can have similar springs two or three years in a row, and then get caught with one that's totally different, right? And um, you guys have heard me say before, when it comes to cover cropping, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a cover crop uh, proponent, and yet every other year I tell my wife to just jab slap the snot out of me if I ever do this again, right? <laughs> I don't mean to be culturally That usually intolerant. happens around uh, April the 4th or 10th or somewhere in there when yeah, you can't rain it. Yeah. Can't spray. <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with colorful, you know, uh, color, colorful uh, examples, right? And, um, and yet it happens just every year. So, so, you know, we met the other day, we've talked about what we're going to do in the fall and, and, you know, those acres that are going to be tilled, you know, they probably need to think about having a fall burn down on them. Yeah. And those that are going to be in cover crop, right? The cover crop needs to go in early. And if it's not going to go in early, then it needs to go in the ground, right? You can broadcast cover crops in, in September and have great utility. You go in there on the 30th day of October if, even with cereal rye, you're probably not going to have a cover crop until about the second or third week of April when it should have already been burnt down two weeks prior. But you don't want to burn it down. Why? Because you spent good money yeah. on that rye, and I don't want to tear, you know, I, don't, I, I want to get some good out of it before I terminate something that I paid that much money for, right? Yeah. And so just having a plan together that, hey, and, and setting some hard, fast rules, right? If it's in September, I'll just broadcast. If it's the after the first of of um, of uh, October, get the uh, drill out. Yeah, well, maybe we ought to get a drill. And if we're going to go into the the latter part, um, uh, then it has to be drilled. And we probably need to we need to make ourselves a promise. We're going to terminate regardless, right? Or we're going to plant it green. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, lots of ground covered there. When it comes to post applications, you know, I've made some other observations there this year. And uh, yeah, I've worked several complaints where growers' expectations maybe were. Uh, and, and then, by the way, the, the, the most recent one I had was not with Premier, right? It was actually with another co-op. And, and we went and looked at the field, walked in, and the grower immediately is upset because we've had, um, you know, multiple modes of action. Right. We've had it's actually two uh, traits. Right. It's it's Liberty and it's 24D and he still has water hemp that are alive. Right. And, and that's not uncommon. And here's what I would just tell growers, whether we're talking about Enlist, Liberty, even Dicamba, because if you spray Dicamba, right, if you spray the Dicamba products and you follow all the restrictions that you're really mm. supposed to follow, 
you probably are going to have some survivors too. Here, here's what I would here's what I would tell you. I think it's important that growers understand that none of these trade platforms really kill 100% of the weeds. And in fact, it's it's not even a high percentage. But but the trade systems work very well because of crop competition. So in other words, when you make a Liberty application and you burn all the leaves off that plant and it's just a stick sitting there, if you'll go out and notice, the, the stem still has some color in it oftentimes. Yep. And, and yet the system works well because if the beans are anywhere near grand growth, those soybeans will outgrow and they'll shade that stick before the two and a half, three weeks that it takes for all of those axillary nodes, where every one of those leaves is attached to that stem, Ryan, there's actually an axillary node right there. There's a bud. And, and you think the plant was dead, but two weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks down the road, that thing sends out a new leaf out of that bud. And if it's shaded, it never amounts to anything, right? In the case of 2,4-D or dicamba, typically what it'll do is it'll twist them up, put them on the ground, and they are not competitive for some period of time. The reason why these trade platforms work better than like our old PPOs, right? Those PPOs probably killed, right? When we think about things like Blazer and Avalanche and Cobra, they probably killed close to the same number of, uh, same percentage as what these trade technologies do. The difference is they set the beans back on their heels. Mm. And that's why you didn't think they gave you as good a control. And so one of the observations is this, you know, we are still, we make post applications. We want to start early while the weeds are small. They are easier to kill and we'll kill a higher percentage of them. But you need to know that when you do that, the ones that do survive because the beans are smaller and they're not growing as actively are probably going to show up and yep. haunt you. It, it's, it's, it seems counterintuitive, but one of the observations that you guys have probably both made are some of these Hail Mary passes we make with Enlist are sometimes mm. the cleanest fields at harvest. Yeah. Well, why is that? It's because we we still twisted them up. We put them on the ground. We killed a smaller percentage, but because they were shaded out, they didn't really, um, you didn't visually see that mm -hmm. you had a lot of water. By the way, they're still making seed, right? Now, those plants may only make 5,000 seeds as opposed to 500,000 <laughs> seeds, but they're still making seed. So yeah. I'm not convinced, I, I'm not encouraging you to make late applications. I'm just trying to, to, to make you aware of why we see what we see, right? And, and the crop itself plays a big part in weed control. Absolutely. Yep. The, the crop competition does probably most of the heavy lifting in these, uh, you know, in, in these trait platforms. Does that make yeah. sense? It sure does. So. Well, Glenn, on this topic, I think that's a that's a pretty good that's a that's a lot. So, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up with this one. Unless you got anything, Ryan? I do not. All not right. very informative. Thank you. Well, You're that, welcome. It's thanks, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Glenn. That uh, that concludes another episode of the High Ground, powered by Premier Capital. <laughs>